Welcome, everyone, to Welcome. the Revival Podcast. What's your name? My name's Stefan Tager. And I'm David Butler. I feel like I always go first, but why should you not go first every thank now you. and then? I, I feel seen. Yeah, thank you. It's alphabetical order, both first name and last name, but whatever. If you, <sighs> How do you feel about always being last in everything that you do in school? I've had, I've had like years of counseling, just always being picked last. My parents know? loved mine because they could leave graduation right at the very beginning. You know? That's so David smart. Butler, peace out. Uh, all my kids, that's why I gave them the last name Butler. That's why they took my... <laughs> Took my name. Uh, it's your first week. This is the Revival Podcast. Please, can I get an amen for the word revival? Amen. Thank you. And anyone else who said it in your car, thank you. Um, every six months, we have a revival in our faith tradition. It is a renewal, a reminder of just like the faith principles that actually bring life into your life. <laughs> There's probably a better way to say that, but like experience life. Remember Jesus says, I came so that you may have life currently today. And he teaches us and shows us like the truths we have to know and the principles that like actually like bring us back to life. Like I feel like sometimes we're like, how come Jesus isn't doing these kind of miracles we saw in the New Testament today? And I want to say, listen, I've been brought back to life before. Not like the little girl who's 12 years old. You know, I didn't <laughs> ever die. But you know what I'm saying? Like like that work of Jesus in us. Like I just, I want to I wanna embrace that. Like sometimes, and we use conference talks, and sometimes conference can feel a little bit like, ooh, like boring and repetitive or something, you know, especially if you watch it talk after talk. Stefan's not allowed to say that because he teaches at BYU, but I, <laughs> I can't, you know. But they're actually such timely and timeless principles in here. And that's what we do every single week. It's like, man, let's be reminded of how sweet and how good each of these are. Yeah. Jesus's commandments and standards are not, to, they're not arbitrary ways to get into heaven. They're not because uh, we're supposed to feel shame associated with them. Like actually in all sincerity, his way of living and being in this world is life. It's goodness. It's truth. It's beauty. It's love. And so let's connect with that. Let's learn how to do that. Yeah, and if it's not happening, I think we're doing it wrong. Right. Right? If that's not my resp- if that's not the experience that I'm having, then like, oh man, we got to some something's got to change. Something's got to switch. And hopefully some of these um episodes are helpful in in doing that. This one today's is um Mark Bassett. Bassett. Yeah. Elder Mark Bassett's talk. It's called After the Fourth Day. And if you've been around the scriptures at all, you may already know, like, oh, I know what that story is going to be right when you very start it. Um, it's Lazarus, and uh, particularly from the uh, perspective of his two sisters who have spent time with Jesus, who've seen what he can do, um, amazing things, and their own brother, a best friend, someone in the inner circle dies, and Jesus waits like deliberately waits. It's not that he couldn't make it. There wasn't traffic. There wasn't a delayed flight. Like he chooses to wait, tells you he chooses to wait and shows up after the fourth day. And and they both go out there, you know, to meet him and just, and this line breaks my heart every time. Had you been here, Mm. my brother wouldn't have died. And I feel like there are so many times where I could say, had you been here, things would have been different. Yeah, I love the way Elder Bassett just lays it out really straightforwardly in connection with exactly what you're saying there, Dave. He says, when the Savior arrived in Bethany, 
all had lost hope that Lazarus could be saved. It had been four days and he was gone. Sometimes during our own challenges, we might feel like Christ is too late and our hope and faith might even feel challenged. So during uh, Dante's Inferno, one of the most famous literary works, there's a sign over the door that leads to hell. This is a metaphor, but it teaches a powerful truth. Do you remember what the sign says, Dave? Um, no, I've seen like <laughs> angels and demons, but I haven't like read Dante's Inferno. <laughs> it says, abandon all hope ye who enter here. Uh, and so to be without hope is is to be in hell. That's the definition of it. Yep, yep. It's to have nothing to look forward to. In fact... Um, there's a there's a real high correlation between I'm anticipating something, I'm looking forward to something, and our happiness and our joy. And sometimes the anticipation, the waiting, is better than the actual fulfillment. Oh yeah, December one through twenty four is no, better no question. than December twenty fifth. Well, yeah. Would you rather have December twenty third or December twenty sixth? Like any you know any yeah. day, any day, December twenty third. And what Elder Bassa is 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 framing for us here is this is a story where it seems like abandon all hope. Well, and the interesting thing about this story is what it teaches about. So if I'm Mary and Martha, I'm not only s- sad is seems like an understatement worse, you know, sad <laughs> if you like drop your popsicle, you know, <laughs> I'm not only devastated because of my brother, but I'm also devastated because like, wait, why didn't you come? Like, I don't like they, they now are thinking maybe I don't know Jesus as well as I thought I knew him because I thought you were the kind of person who would care about something like this. He's your friend. We're your friends. I thought, you know, and now a part of losing hope, I think is looking forward to the future and saying like, okay, then maybe I actually, maybe I can't trust you or have hope in you in, in anything because you let me down. And we know, we, we know what we're supposed to say. We're supposed to say, accept God's timing he, he will come, he will fix things, maintain hope. So we, what we really want to get at today is how do we actually learn to accept God's timing? And by accept God's timing, we usually mean the waiting version right. of it. No one has a hard time accepting God's timing when it's like immediate, <laughs> you know? It's like no one's like, oh man, it's so hard. But we're talking about accepting, how do I accept God's timing when it's a when I'm in days one through three right. in this story, right? Where they live, you know? It's like or, the single, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, it's like the single person who was promised in their patriarchal blessing, you'll get married. And they're 31, they go on a date with yet another person they're not interested in. They go home, sit on the edge of their bed, listen to the clock tick, and it's just silent. And it just feels, it, it could feel really cheap and if you just said, oh, just trust God's timing. Right. They know that, but how do they actually do that? How, yeah. do, how, do, how do do that in a way that's is actually comforting? Uh, or I had this friend once who was um, he was in a coma, and we were there, and blessings were given, and we just sat in the hospital room, and the the thing just beeped, you know, beep, beep, and like nothing was happening from it, and it was sort of just this place of like. Waiting, I remember his wife saying to me, like, I know what should happen. He should wake up and he should raise his son. Like, I know the right answer. And I, because I know God and God would want that to happen. So, like, what is happening here? You know, and in that particular situation, like, he, he died. And she was just like, what? 
Why, why were you not? It's the answer is so clear what you should have done in this situation and you didn't, you know? Yeah. I mean, this gets at the heart of where a lot of people's pain and suffering. It's sometimes the event itself is traumatic, but then the waiting can be uh, just as bad if, if not worse. It's, it's like the parents who, uh, gave the bottle to their child in the middle of the night, brought them to young men's, helped them get ready for a mission, was there with a sign at the airport when they got home, and three months uh, into college, they say, do you know what? I'm going to step away from the church for a while. And it's been 10 years, and they think, you know, when 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 will I have the prodigal son seen? When will when will he come back? Mm. That can be deeply painful for uh, for some people. And again, I know I said this, but I just keep thinking about really that pain point is that, I mean, I imagine my friend, again, coming back to that story, like sitting in the hospital room and if Jesus walks in, that she's Mary, she's Martha. And like, like she, I don't think she would run up and give him this huge hug, you know, necessarily. There'd be a hesitancy there because she would be like, where were you? Like, you know? All, all, all along, and so that's really the that's really what this is getting at, and it's what that story. And, and Elder Bassett said this line. I thought it was interesting, where he said, "I'm drawn to this account because about the Savior because of what it teaches me about our relationship with Him." Hmm. He says, "There's something we learn about Him in this story that you'd have to know." And and if we have the maybe the wrong assumption about Him, that will cause more pain in the story during the waiting. Uh, so I actually think maybe part of the answer is, oh, you actually have to understand who he is in the waiting. If if you, what was our question? How do I accept God's timing? I, I think first would be like, oh, you have to actually know who God is because it's his timing. So, and, and, and not just your assumptions about him, right? I think it's so helpful in connection with that to when we realize who he is, this is a different kind of relationship than we have with any other being or any other thing mm-hmm. that we, this, you know, God's not a microwave or a vending machine. He, he's kind of like a father. He is our father, but he's also God. Yeah. And sometimes I, I, we use metaphors and analogies to try to explain our relationship to God, but ultimately those fail because he's unlike anything else that we interact with in, in our lives. So, What's the answer? How do we learn to accept God's timing? Elder Bassett, he quotes a, a masterful uh, phrase or, or sentence from President Monson. You got it or, or you want me to? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, President Thomas S. Monson taught, our Heavenly Father, who gave us so much to delight in, also knows that we learn and grow and become stronger as we face and survive the trials through which we must pass. What do you want to say about that, Dave? This is what I want to think about this. I, I, I love that he starts by saying, who gives us so much to delight in. Also, he's both, right? Because he also knows that there's something. I, I mean, when he raises Lazarus from the grave, that was a grand gift, you know? And you're just like, I saw love. I saw power. I saw attention. I saw, you know, my heart. I saw, I, I saw, you know, but I think that there is as much love and healing and attention shown during days one through three as there is on day four. Amen. That 
miracle day, day four, you're like, oh, God gave me love and healing and attention. And I want to say he's the kind of God who gives just as much love and healing and attention to us in those days leading up to it, in the days of waiting. In fact, some some of those days, days one, two, and three, before day four, before the actual healing, before things are set right, are some of the sweetest and most tender moments of love and goodness that we see. I mean, just just take, for example, the Good Samaritan. There was a moment when that man on the side of the road, when his life was fixed, when he was healed and things were put back together. You know, when it's a memory and he can tell his friends about right, it and he's like, right. someone saved me. Right. And know, I was healed. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but think about the tenderness and love that is shown when the Good Samaritan sees him. There are 12 active verbs there in Luke 15. Is it Luke 15? Luke 10? Luke 10. Luke 10. <laughs> <laughs> and there's 12 active verbs and he saw him, he had compassion on him, he pours oil and wine, he brings him to the inn. When you see God's hand in our life, days one, two, and three, it's, it, again, the analogies fail, but they can help. It's, um, this seems so small, but it's when a parent sits with their child when they're doing homework or teaching them how to ride a bike. That's such a, yes, it's exciting when the kid can finally ride the bike, but there's so much patience and love and training and goodness shown during those initial stages. Well, and and in that parable, the Good Samaritan, one of my favorite parts in that is that he stays with him through the night. It's super subtle, but he sits there with him through the whole night. And you're like, wait, show me a picture of love in that parable. And the picture of love could have been preventing all that from happening. The picture of love could have been he walks up to him on the side of the road blesses him and he throws his crutches and stands up, you know, and and it would be like, that would be a great story. And that would have been a great act of love to have healed him like on the spot or prevented it from happening. But you actually get to see the same kind of love shown in a different way with him sitting through the night, binding him up, carrying him to the end. We had this, um, friend in a neighborhood that I used to live in, and she just struggled with all sorts of just mental, um, emotional, yeah, emotional problems, and just life issues, and and all of these things. And man, I wanted her to be fixed so bad. I wanted God to come in, knock on the door, and and heal her from all of these things. Like she really was having such a. Di- I would honestly like some days go home and think. Oh my gosh, you have such a you have such a terrible life, <laughs> you know? Like you face so much that it's like golly. And and I remember one day going over there and and uh when I got there another friend from our neighborhood was there and she had just gone on a walk with her that morning and I found out later that she went on a walk with her every single morning. And that there were people who checked in with her when her mom had to go to work at nighttime. And then people who were available for a text to make sure she knew, like during her night terrors and and all of these things. And I said to Jenny one day, I was like, I think some people just have to be carried throughout their entire life. Like there isn't a solution. Like I was, I was looking for like, how do we fix this? And I, and I realized I was like, I think some people just have to be carried throughout their whole life. And, but that was a picture of love. Like if God had healed her, I would have said, oh, how loving of him to do something like that. But for him to send people day in, 
and day out and night in and night out to take care of her in her time of waiting, that showed us just as much healing and attention and, and love as anything else. Yeah, it, it, there's, I mean, sometimes the ministering is more beautiful and more powerful than the healing moment that's actually there. And they're both important. They're both essential. Yeah. Um, I, I may get the story wrong, but I remember Hank Smith talking about how after one of his family members had passed away, someone, and I, and I, and I may be messing this up, I just think this is just one of my favorite images. Um, someone came over to the house and just started mowing the lawn, just started doing work around the house without saying a word. And I thought of just how beautiful the imagery of silent ministering while we're waiting for day four to happen. Yeah. That person who passed away, they'll be resurrected. They'll right. have, they'll, they'll come back alive Great. someday. Great. But the ministering that happens until then, uh, it, it, that gets at um, s- some of the most vulnerable parts of us to see that we matter that much to God and to others. Well, and I think people have experienced it and would say they've, they've like if you, um, Elder Bassett uses this line somewhere in the beginning when he's talking about the story and he says this, oh, these four days were significant to Mary and Martha. And I think he's about to talk about something else, but when I took that line just by itself, I would say, oh, amen, those four days are significant. Last week on our episode, I talked about being in that hospital in Israel and was there for like eight days, and it was terrible. And And my grandma asked me when I got home, if you knew what you knew, would you go back and relive it? And I thought about it for a second, and I was like, uh, yeah, I actually would. And then she slapped me and she was like, (laughs) and put your grandmother through that again. (laughs) (laughs) But I said, yes, because I would say those four days were significant to me. What I learned, what I experienced and what I came to know about God and the way I saw him were really significant to me. I, I didn't want it to happen and I wanted a quick healing. But in the end, when I look back, it's like, man, I, those four days were really sweet and they were, and, and, and I became acquainted with God during those days in a way that uh, I I don't think I would have had he come on day one. Yeah. I I think that's so powerful. When you think about the resurrection, of course the resurrection shows the love of God, but it seems like at least in one way to think about it, it shows the victory, the power of God. But it's when the Savior's in Gethsemane and on that cross with a crown of thorns, nails in his hands and feet, blood, sweat, suffering with us and because of us. That's really where the compassion and love of God is also illustrated as well. And I think simply knowing that gives us eyes to see and a heart to feel it and recognize it. And maybe it will take looking back. Because sometimes in pain and sometimes in disappointment, like it's, it's cloudy and we don't quite see it until we look back afterwards. But I think when we do look back or hopefully when we're in that time of waiting, I would actually just look for that love and healing and attention that are happening right now is, is what I would, would do. Um, Elder Holland, he quotes Elder Holland at the end. He says this, some blessings come soon and some blessings come late. And some don't come until heaven, but for those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, they come. 
And, and I think that is powerful to know. Listen, everyone's fourth day is coming when you're going to experience and see the healing and attentive and powerful love of God. But I think you get both. You can see it in days one through three, and then you're going to see it someday on your miracle day as well. That's right. I love that. Elder, Elder Bassett says, my witness and testimony are that as we move forward with faith in Jesus Christ, the fourth day will always come. And that's wonderful. And that is amazing. And But watch, watch this other promise. He will always come to our aid or to raise our hopes back to life. I remember through one of the most difficult periods of my life, I was sitting in the Celestial Room in the Provo Temple, and it was I was going through a very difficult time, very difficult trial, and the Spirit whispered to my heart and my mind, uh, just a simple promise that someday this particular trial would end. And that was enough. That was enough. And it did. I was able to overcome that, and I feel completely healed. But it was that promise that gave me my hope back. And in the end, that's that's heaven. That's heaven is to have something deeply to look forward to, to have hope. Yeah. And and the fact that he came to you in the days before, like he restored hope before the situation was restored. And and that's just uh that's that's beautiful. The be of good cheer, he quotes, and do not fear, for I the Lord am with you and will stand by you. And I would add on to that through all four days. Yeah, I, I, if you're waiting for day four, the first step is to get your hope back, mm. to get your hope back. And I, by translation, that means and get him back because he is, he is hope, right. right? He's there. Ooh, that's revival. I'm revived. <laughs> okay, see you next week. <laughs>